Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 116 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Meisenheimer. And I'm Jay Duke. And we're bringing you a special roundtable, the first of two in a row, so we're spoiling you this week with the White Cats being on a break. And we're recording it live from Match Eatery Public House in New West. If you want to eat, if you want to go to the casino afterwards, Match Eatery is a place for you. We're, we're here for the roundtable, as, as Michael said. Basically, let's start, let's just jump right into it. Why not? Why waste time? The season so far. Is this team for real? That's the big question right off the bat. Everybody, they're at the top of the MLS, you know, Western Conference, but a lot of people are, you know, worried and about what they're seeing on the field. What do you guys think about how they are? That's a question that when you ask, you have to wonder what's your reference point because for me. I, do I think the Whitecaps are real? Yeah, I, I think that they've deserved what the amount of points that they have right now. Do I think that they're going to be battling for the Supporters' Shield at the end of the year? I, I don't think so. I, I think th- I still think uh, this is about a number. If if everything keeps going, they've been playing better than I thought uh, at the beginning of the year. I still think they could end up maybe second, probably third, but you know, also maybe fourth in the West. But at at the end of the season. So does that mean I think that they're real? Yeah, I think they deserve where they are supposed to be, but are they, I don't think that they're going to be battling out for Supporters' Shield at the end of the year. I, I agree with Jay in terms of, yeah, what is the reference point? I, I, you know, as you look at where we were at last year, this number of games, apparently I think we're like one point ahead of that. So are we for real? I would say in some sense, I'd say we're full val- at least full value for the points we have and probably should have. I personally think we probably should have more. Um, but are we for real? In, in part, I'd say no. I hope not because, and I, I think our technical staff would say the same thing, we have not achieved our potential. Uh, and so I think that there's hopefully more to come. I'd say they definitely are for real because I have touched them. They do exist. <laughs> for me, there's two aspects to this. Yep, as Zach said, they haven't played to what we would think is their full potential. When you look at that front four, and we'll cover the individual players later on, but when you look at the front four that's played against RSL, that's the team or the front four that I think is going to be Robbo's first choice going forward. Manny's maybe given him a little bit to think about now with his performance. So yes, you look at that, they're exciting, they have potential. But at the same time, I do feel that they've actually overachieved at the start of the season 
because they got those wins that they were really, really lucky to get. And for me, that's the difference between last year when they got all those draws and this year where they've had a bit of luck. They've fought to the very end. And it's not just luck. I mean, they've, they've worked hard. They've got a, a game style on the road that's kind of made for MLS on the road. It's really hard to break down. But I do think that it kind of flattered how well they were playing by getting those early results and by getting those points in the bag and putting them to the top. I, I still don't really know what kind of white caps team we have. Because you saw the Montreal game, they were pretty poor, despite Robo saying it was a great performance. Then you saw the LA game, which was a great performance against one of the top teams in MLS. Does anyone really know what this white caps team is yet? Yeah, that's the big question. And in, the thing is, you have to look at, like, the, I think the main pe thing that people are disappointed about is the home results. Uh, because the home results have not been there for for them. They, they, and, and also, their record against the East this year have, has been disappointing, considering how well they did against them last year. So I think those are the two big things that, that is haunting them right now so far in this first half of the season. Because if you think if they get one or two of those home results, they might even be, they be well ahead of Seattle at this point. I've been really impressed with the Whitecaps uh, defending throughout the season so far. And uh, they're, they're back six, uh, I guess back seven, including the, the keeper, is as good as any in the league right now. Uh, and that's including Pamuruka in your back four. Now, uh, the, to the top end is what you we thought going into the year was going to be a real strength with Morales coming back and Rosales, you know, a full year and um, bringing in Octavio Rivero, especially how, how the early returns were. That's obviously a place where they need to be able to improve. But what the thing that I that I like about it is, if you look across the league, the Whitecaps still lead the league in shots, uh, total shots. They lead the league in shots on on goal, and I, I we don't have access to all the Opta stats behind. But I, I would be shocked if they weren't top five in the league for like big chances created and and some of those more um, slightly analytic statistics because. How many times have we seen Rivero or other players uh, have a, just a golden opportunity and and miss, or these the headers off corners, or no, that that we should be getting the odd one here or there, we haven't had any yet for, from Carl or Waston or Rivero Penal, uh, penalty kicks. We haven't had any this year, um, so those are all places where I expect over the course of the year for us to to get a few more of those lucky bounces go our way which would be a, be a huge difference to us. One or goal, two goals over this last stretch, and the Whitecaps would be top of the league. I, I, I think Michael asked a very uh, fair and important question of, like, you know, what is this team or, or, like, what are the expectations of this team or what is the style of this team? I think these are questions that people are asking in, in social media and, and supporter circles. I, I think, though, I think, I think we're not a team that either is – our style is super identifiable or other than maybe on the road playing counterattack or too often than some people's liking paying balls over the top for our players with pace. And I think partly because people don't like those things or those things aren't sexy, if you will, if, you know, they aren't, as Rude Hulett would say, they aren't, they're not sexy football, um, that, that people aren't enamored by them. And so they, they, they want to think that there should be more. And in one sense, maybe there should be more. And I think... Um, but I think what, what Jay is saying is true. Is, and this is why I say I don't think we've reached our full potential, because we have created tons of chances. 
both home and away. We've created more than enough chances to, to get results in, in, in our matches, in our, in our 16 league matches this year. And uh, I think the impressive thing has been <clears throat> some of, the, uh, some of the, or the amount of chances that we've created on the road. And uh, it's been nice to get more results on the road, even though they've been one nil or nicked at the end or whatever. So definitely, yeah, you're right. The the you know those one zero wins are important, scraping those things. But Michael, you were talking about the tactics and the formations and how rigid a Bravo is. We we've been talking about that before too. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And, yeah, I mean, I, I've been disappointed. I I think four two three one has a place. It works well on the road. At home, I just don't think it's the thing that should work. I like to have two strikers up front. I'd like to see Rivero getting some support so he's not left completely isolated, whether it's Earnshaw, Manny, Matix, anyone really at the, at the moment. And for me, at home, they should be looking at maybe 4-1-3-2, 4-4-2, maybe even 3-5-2, which I know Robbo is something he would maybe like to do if he's got a bit more time to, to try things out, but he doesn't have that just now. He does seem quite happy with... Asked him on the conference call if he would ever kind of go with a three-man defensive shield that they kind of had at RSL, and he doesn't think that suits their style. He thinks their style is to kind of have that strong defensive core in front of the back four and use the fast guys up the wing. I think tactics. When you talk about the technical, when you when you talk to the technical staff, they'll tell you that the way we play four-two-three-one, we actually would we actually attack with more numbers than if we played four-four-two in the way they would set it up. Yeah, I mean that's one of the conversations that, that I've had with them about, about uh, how things are set up in formations and whatnot. There's also been an argument, Jay, that, that Robbo's too slow at changing tactics in the middle of a game. He he does change them when they when they have to, and sometimes it's like 70, 75th minute mark. There's another argument: you don't change the tactics if you don't really need to. But when they are trailing games like Seattle, it was really frustrating because he didn't seem to change the tactics quick enough. Yeah, because he had an option to go 3-5-2 at that point where you put, or a th- would have a three-man back and just put another attacker It doesn't even have to be that complicated. There, there should be, the Whitecaps just need to be, Robinson needs to be a little bit more flexible in in his approach. And, and I, I do think that to some degree the, the, the formation is just numbers. It doesn't really matter. It's who, yes. you, who you put out on the field and what your instructions are them to do. Because Kakuta Mane will not play as a left left winger. He's more of a of a left-sided central attacker. Central attacker. Yeah. So it, but he likes to play as a striker. Yeah. And and it shows and I think that's that's where he he's better suited. So I'm okay with that. But at the same time there needs to be. There are games like you said, Seattle at home. You're 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 down in the fourth minute. You need to to make that that switch even quicker. And it uh, in, whether it's at half or even if you have the players on the field who can do this, but it's as easy as just inverting that diamond. I've been on this for a while. Uh, instead of having two holding midfielders, you go to a single midfielder. We've Lava. We've he's he's shown in Toronto. He's able to do that. And then you you can have two attacking midfielders, and 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 that way Morales can drop a little deeper. There'll be space from. Yet we'll still have a number ten who can link up with Rivero, so he's not so much on an island. If you haven't, you should go out and read Jay's book, Inverting the Pyramid. Get uh, overall, like looking back on the season so far, what do you guys think have been the strength, the one strength and the weakness of this team? Like if you can, uh, maybe take one. You guys take one of them. 
I, I think our strengths have definitely been uh, the defensive spine of the team. Uh, our, and quite frankly, our entire back four. Especially, we have probably the one of the best, if not the best, goalkeeper in the league right now in Ousted. Uh, you have uh, two very good center backs with Rodriguez, who I think is going to be a quality MLS player who will be able to step in there. Um, you've, and you have Lava and one of either Kofi or Tybert. Tybert's looked great this year. Kofi's had some hiccups, but it's really coming on now. That's where the strength of your of our team is, and I don't think that'll change throughout the year. That's where that's where the white why the Whitecaps have done so good on the road, and it's why they'll probably be good even on into to playoffs. I think um, you know, so. When you talk about uh, what is the strength? I would say that one of our strengths this year has been creating chances, and yet it's mirrored by one of our weaknesses. Which has been finishing those chances. Yeah. So, like you know, goals, the number of goals were similar to last year or behind last year. I think it is, uh, and a lot of the talk uh, from Robbo was, "Hey, how can we get twenty-five more goals in the team?" That that hasn't happened, and so I think that that's been unfortunately been our weakness. And yet, we also because of the strength that Jay talked about, we've been able to. Uh, still get comparable results to last year. I, I do think that that's something that'll sort itself out. I, I really do, and yeah. and I'm, I, I'm I'm not the big big super pro PDO stats guy. I, I like those things. I think those are a very important tool when you're analyzing. You can't base stuff. It, we can base everything on that. No, you can't base everything on it. But the the amount of shots the Whitecaps lead the league in shots. They lead the league in shots on goal, and I'm sure Rivera leads the league in, leads the league he, in shots. He's probably or yeah, top three or yeah. something like that. Mane is up there as far as shots. The Whitecaps are doing all the things that they need to do to be successful on the offensive end. Just a little bit of luck and some some poor finishing. It, yeah. it has to be said. But there'll be some there'll be some golazos that happen as well as some you know some easy rebounded goals. And I think that that, that those numbers will start to come around. For me, the biggest strength is that defensive spine. Yeah. And the weakness, I, I, as you've said, it's like that inability to not convert the chances. It hasn't cost them too badly, considering where we still are on the table. But then if you look at where we could be in the table, I know it's always like F spots and all that, but if you just look at where a couple more points would have us, we should be walking away with the confidence and, and the MLS title. The way that we've played, the chances we've created, a couple more go in, one every couple of games and it's like our lead would be like so big just and, now. Yeah. and not only that but not just the fact that they haven't converted it's the times that they haven't converted to there's been so many games and it's lucky we have that defensive spine because there's been so many games where we've milked out a one nothing game when we should have been up 2 or 3 or 4 nothing early on yeah and I'm I, I'm, I'm kind of there's a couple things I, I would say the weaknesses so far and one is surprising uh, one not too surprising. I think the non-surprising one is the wide play. I just still don't think they have enough uh, width out there and uh, sending balls in from the wide areas into the box where uh, Rivero can... Because Rivero can score with his head. He's, he, he's shown that in highlights from before, other places. Yeah. The surprising place, I'm, I'm very surprised, is set pieces. I thought, from like corners and stuff like that, I thought with guys like guys like Ka and Waston in the box and everything... I thought they would have scored more. Neither one of them has scored a goal yet this year, and I thought they would have contributed one or one each or something like that so far this year. Well, they've had chances, but they haven't converted at all. Especially when you look at preseason, Carr scored two goals with his head, and yeah. you kind of expected that. And it's he just peaked too come. early. Talking of the defense, 
at the left back position we won't talk anymore about Stephen Bate sure I think we've kind of covered how badly I feel he's been playing and yeah. if anyone disagrees I don't want to hear that it's difficult so he's, on the, he's had his moments this year yeah, yeah. but I want more for but that money it's been a problem left back position Harvey started this season Sam Adekubi came in after Gary Kingston derailed Harvey yeah, Harvey was just demoralised <laughs> after that Sam did well got an injury it's allowed Jordan to come back in and for me Harvey has been phenomenal these last few games yeah. so my question just for, for all of you multi-part question were you surprised that Sam got his chance as early as he did and do you think with the way that Harvey is playing just now that when Sam is healthy that he's going to get right back in the team again I'll put on my Harvey, uh, my Harvey Army shirt here and say, yeah, I think uh, Jordan's been a, a great professional uh, this year in, in both when he was starting and then also when he lost his spot. I think you, you didn't see any negative signs. You didn't see any pouting. You didn't see any whatever. Professional. He, just, he was professional. He was professional. He just kept, put his head down, worked hard in training. Uh, and then when Sam got injured, he took the opportunity. I mean, obviously his opportunity came. He got back in the team. And I think he's performed quite Solid. well yeah, yeah. He's, he's been been uh, he's provided some attack uh, he's provided to the attack yeah he won the penalty away to Montreal uh, and uh, and he's also been a part of that solid defensive core that, that you know uh, we've been talking about yeah I kind of wish I kind of wish they had they could have there's a way to get both of them on the field when Sam is healthy it'd be ideal but I don't know if they can do that no, but I think we can at some point. I think oh, might, you know, for like on the same side you're talking about, right? Yeah, on the yeah. same side. So I think like we saw, you know, a couple of years ago, on occasion we'd have Alain Rochat and and, and Harvey, Harvey, and Harvey both on the yeah. left side, and I think that, that is uh, maybe not something highly likely to be used, but I could see a specific situation, a specific maybe in some cup matches uh, where we could see maybe Jordan behind and Sam in front. Because the Sam's played in the preseason up front. I remember that one time in Portland he yeah. played like that, and he could provide the service into the box because he doesn't deliver mean cross. Sam is probably and and this is not meant to be a slight on any of the, the attackers but Sam is probably our best left winger on the club. Yeah. Like there, yes. we don't have any players player. who are like you know heels on the chalk line get you know beat a guy to the end line and whip in a, a, a quick cross. Or nobody does that. Pass it and move. Yeah nobody does, does that. Does not pass it and admire the pass. Whereas Sam does do that and yeah. and that is one of the, the huge positives for him and it is why he got in the, in the club uh, in the first team yeah. so early in the year. I Harvey. just can't see with how well because because you know Jordan was playing okay he was playing pretty well after the injury to, to Sam and when Jordan came in he's been playing lights out he's yeah. been he's been good defensively he's been uh, maintaining possession he's been mo- look going forward and he's been popping up in the box and I can't see how you can take him out of the first team right now. Even though I do think that Sam Adekubi has a higher ceiling and will be the long-term starter of the club, I I don't think that you can take Harvey out without his playing right now. I agree. There is evidence that he has been popping up in the box, and I think that he has contributed to our to our attack. I've really liked how he's been playing, and I think it's going to be tough for Sam to break back in again this year. But with all the games coming up in August, he's definitely going to get his chances. Yeah, there's definitely been opportunity CCL and all that stuff. But talking to Jordan Harvey. Let's hear from the man himself now. I had a chance to catch up with him at training a few days ago, just asking him about how he lost his place in the team, fighting back to regain it, and some interesting thoughts on him about how he feels he came into pre-season training. So here's Jordan Harvey.
so Jordan, looking at the, the games and the season so far, for both the, the Caps and also for yourself, how, how do you see it having gone? I think we've learned a lot. I think we've been in every single type of situation that you could be in throughout a season, and we've kind of condensed that into a half of a season. I think we've learned a lot from that. Um, I think we've... Uh, developed a lot from that. I think over the last month, I think you've seen that. There has been courses through games, like I've talked about, where we've been in situations that we haven't um, come out on top. But I think and I hope that this last game um, was that turning point. Um, we've been in games where we've been down, where we've been up. And, uh, you know, this game where they came back into the game and in the past or in the beginning of the season, we might have crumbled or just settled for a draw or kind of like lost the energy, but we kept the energy through 90 minutes and uh, we were lucky enough to come away with the win. I, and I don't think it's luck. I think it's, I think it's persistence and I think it's the energy that we brought that second half. Last couple of games, your own performance, it's been top notch. It's like you seem to have really raised your game up a level. Is it the fact that like with Sam coming in and pressurising you, you've kind of just taken your game to the next level? You know, I wasn't happy with how I came in. I came in fit to preseason but I didn't feel like I was as sharp as I could be. Um, I feel like I've actually gotten better the last three years. I think my best years have been the last three years. And, and so that was frustrating coming into the beginning of the season and how that kind of uh, started. Um, but I didn't stop, you know. I tried to keep coming to training every day and trying to get better. Um, working as hard as I could in the weight room, in the training room. Um, I do feel like I'm playing really well right now, and I hope I can just continue this throughout the rest of the season. Now, you, you knew you were going to have a battle with Sam at some stage for the left-back role. Did it surprise you, though, that he kind of came so quickly in the season? Sam came in playing really well. Um, it didn't surprise me. Um, I, I knew he was playing really well, and... Um, he's a great player, um, and I wasn't, like I said, as sharp as I would have liked to have been at the beginning of the season, if I'm honest with myself. Um, when I first came into preseason, um, you know, it was my position. Um, it was my position to lose, and, uh, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't sharp enough. Now, with the games that's coming up, five games on the road over six weeks, are you? I mean, are you looking to play every single one of that, or do you feel that at some stage yourself and some of the the older guys, to put it nicely, um, you might need a little bit of a rest out there? I haven't discussed. That's that's a question for Robbo, I think. But I haven't discussed how we're going to approach these next uh, these next games. Um, but after the LA game, we do have a break. So with that in mind, I think I can play both games and um, I did it a few weeks ago and uh, you know I, th I feel fine yeah in the past like the road form's been a bit of an issue for the Caps obviously this year the road form's fantastic so is such a trip maybe not as daunting as it has been in previous years absolutely I think uh, because of that confidence because of our success on the road that it's absolutely not that daunting I think people are looking forward to it actually uh, the challenge it's going to be difficult, don't get me wrong, but the challenge is presented for us. And uh, we've been, uh, once the schedule came out, we knew this was going to be difficult. But the way the season has gone, I think people are looking forward to this. And Champions League draw tonight, obviously 
we don't know whether it's going to be an MLS team or a Mexican team. If it was one of the MLS teams that you got, would that be kind of a bit of an anti-climax because you play these guys so often? I think maybe, but just being in Champions League is is exciting for everyone. Um, depending on what team it would be, uh, it'd be less travel, so that would be good. There's benefits, but it's obviously exciting if we were to go into Mexico and play in a hostile environment and uh, kind of live that Champions League uh, feeling. Chance to play in the Champions League, what does it mean to you personally? Uh, sorry, I mean, what, what would that mean to you, like going and maybe playing on a big stage like the Azteca or something like that? I'm excited, just honestly, you just mentioning that, I got the chills yeah. a little bit. I'm really excited about it. Um, I do hope we get the chance to go into an environment like that. Um, because I've, I've watched Mexican League's game. Growing up in Southern California, um, the Mexican League was on all the time. Um, it wasn't always the English Premier League like it is now. So I watched Cruz Azul, America, um, you know, uh, Chivas, all those teams. So it'd be really fun. It'd be really fun and, and a, a highlight of my career for sure. That's great. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much, John. Yeah, Cheers. No that was Jordan Harvey speaking to Michael about uh, his season so far essentially I'm gonna bring it out to you guys obviously this is the first year at WFC 2 there's it, it, how effective has it been for us a guy like Jordan Harvey if he if Sam was playing might have been playing on that WFC 2 team just to get some minutes obviously when Sam comes back he's gonna get minutes there as an injured player but how overall effective has it been and, and Jay you've been to a few games Michael we've been to most of the games Zach has too what are your guys' overall feelings about how it's uh, what's worked out for the Whitecaps? You know, it actually has, hasn't been as effective as I thought it would be, perhaps. Maybe this is, maybe this is naive of me, but I expected... Uh, you, you know, I'm unlucky for a guy like Bustos to be injured and, because, you know, he was going to be a key part of that, that WFC2 side. I expected to see more of... Keon's froze there more of uh, you know Atacubi until he, he got the call up um, even Carducci I expected more from him I expected more from from those guys uh, and when the the first team the true first teamers were sent down like the you know the Hurtado the Mesquita the those guys are sent down I I expected more from them uh, at that level um, so it's kind of been a, a bit of a mixed bag for me. I, 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 what I do think is that it really has helped uh, the, the club perception. Just being there a couple, uh, couple games, you see some of the players and the players' wives and some of the other residency kids all there going and watching the games as fans as well. And I think that's good to, to have that integration both on and off the pitch. Because on the pitch they're playing the same style. They're 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 st- they're playing that you know four two three one. Um, so I, I do think that it, it's good. I think it'll take a little bit more time before we really see those dividends, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you see so many guys like like you're talking about Marco Perducci. You see so much of Spencer Ritchie. I know he you know he's a, he's a decent player, but you think they'd be pushing Marco Carducci more? But I guess they're. They're going to go with the best player available, and that, and that's the thing I think is that 
in seeing Carducci, he ha- actually hasn't really been that great, and that kind of hurts to say because I, I, you know, really like him and think he's got a, a great potential. But uh, Spencer Ritchie has looked the better of the two of them, yeah. so you know it's hard not to play the guy who who's earning the starts. Well, Marco had had a, a good couple of games the last the last few of them. I, I've liked what I've seen from Ritchie, and it, it shouldn't just be the case that Marco automatically gets the start because he's Canadian. But yeah, do you have to think Marco has got that MLS contract? Yeah. So at some point, while well, the bigwigs in the club start to say, "Look, this guy has an MLS contract. We need to see him play." I remember he he started the season hurt too, so he wasn't able. It wasn't 100, so he wasn't missing a lot of time there. I mean, the integration between the two it hasn't been used too too fully because there's been times where Robinson's squad has been a little bit threadbare. So he's pretty much needed everyone available for the game day 18. And it hasn't always been double headers. It's White Cats have been away on the road, whilst WFC Two has been at home, and vice versa. Now, one of the MLS players who has kind of taken a chance at times, anyway, to, to show what he's got for WFC Two is Caleb Clark. Now, Zach, what have you made of Caleb's play this season? And do you think, with the fact that the White Caps are struggling to put the ball in the back of the net, that he deserves to get at least a look on the bench at some time soon? I couldn't concur more, Michael. Uh... I think with uh, uh, Darren gone with Jamaica uh, for uh, at least one tournament, if not two. I think he's he been away for two weeks now. <laughs> uh, I think with him gone, I think with other things or other, other players' forms who can play in that, that central striker role, I think that Caleb deserves that to be on the bench and hopefully to get some opportunity, maybe starting with uh, a few minutes at the end of a match um, to help finish it off or as a, a player coming on to maybe uh, give us some spark to end the match because as we all know sitting at this table watching U16 watching U18 watching PDL now watching uh, USL USL sorry no USL Pro watching USL Caleb Clark uh, watching Augsburg too Caleb Clark can score goals he has a nose for the net he like yeah he, he knows how to finish and finishing is probably the number one thing that we could uh I think we might agree that we could we, we could uh, we need to improve on in the first team. Yeah, and and in accordance to that too, um, not only does he score goals, and I'm not saying he's as good as Octavio, but he plays a similar game to Octavio, where he holds up the ball, he lets the other attackers come into the game, and and, and distributes it as well. And like Octavio, he scores left foot, right foot, head, whatever. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I do. I think he deserves a shot um, because he has scored goals, but. I don't know. In the time that I've seen him play, he'll he'll come on to games for you know 20, 25 minutes, look great, pop a goal in, and then it'll look like he just drifts around for you know another half of the game. And and I don't know if that's that's the life of a striker. I, I, I suppose seems like I suppose strikers. it is, I, and and maybe that is. Maybe it's just score effect, and and you know maybe I. I'm just not paying enough attention, but sometimes it seems like he he kind of drifts out of games a little bit in with the interest level. Like he just is. You always see Octavio Rivero, and I know it's not fair to compare the two because yeah. they're in completely different leagues. But you always see Octavio Rivero doing something, going somewhere, working hard, you know, pressuring the the defender, running through a channel, coming back to. There was a lot of times where you see Caleb not doing those things, just kind of standing, waiting for the game to come to him. And I think that's what he needs to change if he wants to be an MLS player. Which is one of the, uh, Michael, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the unfortunate things of 
Caleb, from what I understand, what I've seen a little bit is Caleb's practicing more with WFC2 and not with the first team as much with Octavio Rivera there to mentor him to be an example. Yeah, that is true, Zach. Caleb did kind of struggle a little bit to kind of find his feet, but he seems to be in, in full flow, at least now. He hasn't, hasn't done so well, but then the team hasn't the last couple of weeks either. So just, just quickly, what, what are your general thoughts on WFC2? Has it ticked all the boxes you were hoping for? Have you been happy with the crowds? Or what more are you expecting from it? Well, I mean, that, I mean, that all comes down to what are the actual expectations of WFC2, right, Michael? Like, are we talking just in terms of uh, helping develop players, helping uh, players get minutes from the first team who aren't getting minutes or returning from injury? Uh, are we talking about, uh, like, off the field, like drawing more people into... Uh, the s- support of our club, um, you know, there's you know, f- financially, there's lots of different elements to it. I, think I, I find it quite annoying that there's some really loud supporters with drums there that when we're trying to record our podcast, it just <laughs> really messes our levels up. And I don't, if you could have a word with them, I'd be yeah, really well, good. Yeah, I'll talk to my kids about that. Um, yeah, no, uh, I say that because my kids have been banging on the drum again. No, I, I, I mean, it, it's been, I, it's it's been lackluster in terms of like, I think the overall, I think in terms of the most important element of it, in terms of it being a place for players to get games and get minutes in a, a, at a higher level, I think that is, is doing okay. And you don't know the long-term effects of that, you know. Uh, yeah, you can't see that right now, no. whether it's results or how they're playing, because they're learning right now. And exactly. But and it was perfect for like Rodriguez. That he gave yes, him two, exactly. Two games to have a, a run out at. So that's where it's been good in terms of like, Oh, you mean you know, support or number of people coming to matches? No, it's a huge, it's a huge disappointment. It's a huge letdown. But but there are elements it's to what that. I expected. I, I, really? personally, I personally think that that's what I expected. I did not like it's especially the games after where there's a game on Saturday night to Sunday. It's hard for people to go to two games. Like most of us will do it because we enjoy yeah. it. But a lot it's of other people can't. Sure, actually, though. Well, for you too, especially yeah. yeah. It, it's. I, I'm sorry. It, it, it was never going to draw well at UBC. It's, no, it's way out there. That's a problem. It's, and then you're you're expecting people to to pay tickets, and you're on a university. So like the the university kids aren't going to go because it costs money, and they're trying to save money. And parking. And, and, and then the parking. Pa- the, UBC kids are posh people. The, the parking is probably the, the silliest thing because I, I did I, I bought the yearly parking the, the full season parking it's like it's like seven blocks away you gotta park in the main like the, there's parking right beside the stadium it doesn't it doesn't make any sense they're just trying to get you fit uh, well they're they're not doing a good enough job but they're, they're telling Zach to park it <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, like it's it, it is it's it's small potatoes and that's what what they're getting at if they or run it like that, that's the, the types of numbers they're going to get. I don't have a problem with it either. If if their plan is, if their sole focus is development uh, and getting game times for regulars and developing their younger uh, players, then then it's fine. It doesn't. You played on Mars for all I care, and it's closer to you know where some of the training takes place and that sort of thing. So I I, I have no problem with it. But if what you wanted is like a satellite club to to help the marketing and push the brand and and get lots of butts in seats, UBC was never going to be where it would be. Which should have been Langley. It should have been New West. It should have been out towards the valley. They would have had a way better shot at getting people. Which I feel really bad, you know, because the the people, 
uh, within those who entr- those entrusted to be stewards of our club, those who are looking after it, not at the upper, the highest level, but the, like the the director level or whatever, they're awesome quality people. And this has been really difficult for them to, in business language, sell, you know, to, to season ticket holders, to, to the buyers, because it's at UBC. And I, I think that's really unfortunate. But I, I think that um, even if you put those things aside, say it's difficult to get to, right? doesn't matter where you live. It's difficult to get to. If, if we can, I, I think there's an opportunity for it to grow the club. I'm not so big on maybe uh, being eaten alive by people's dogs, but I think there is an opportunity for it to really grow, to grow things. And hopefully in a year or two or whatever, it'll be in a, in a better location yeah. to help with that. And I, and I agree, and it can still grow the club at UBC. It just won't do it with Same butts rate. and seats yeah. and with, with the marketing that they want. I, they're actually getting more than I thought would turn out. I just don't yeah. think folk would actually Wait, what, want to. Are you talking about like actual people there or the? Or no, t- they announced attendance. Well, that's you. I mean, that's not yeah. that's not the number. All of the attendances there. have been in four figures. I thought they would struggle to get to four figures. No, I just the, didn't think the interest would be there. No, but the, the announced attendance is season tickets plus tickets sold or given yeah. away for that match. Yeah, that's fine. But do you think that that many people would show up? No, but, but that, that's how it works all over the world. No, 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 I know, I know, I know, so, I know. Just, there's like maybe a half of that in a potential oh, yeah. time. Now, Jay, you mentioned Mars there, so I think it's time now to play. Oh, not again. Thirty seconds to Mars. Mars would be on a great away day. So it's time for our semi-regular game show, 30 Seconds to Mars. Now for first time listeners, first of all, where have you been? But basically, we're going to go head to head. It's Zach versus Jay. They'll have 30 seconds, three questions each, to make as many decent points as they can. If they make a good point, you'll hear a ding. If they don't make any good points, they'll just be silent. So let's toss a coin, we'll see who goes first. Zach, heads or tails? Heads. Tails. Good. So, Jay, you get the choice. Do you want to go first oh. or second? Uh, I, will, I, will, uh, I will go second, please. Okay, so... I have no answer. Zach, you're on the clock to start with, and Steve has your first question. So, first question. Which newcomer oh, I'm really on the Whitecaps has had the biggest impact on, or off the fi- on and off the field? And your time starts now. Okay, uh, I'm going to break this into two parts. I think off the field is obviously Pamudaka. Pamudaka, it feels like he's kind of always been here. Bing. And uh, he's brought new traditions to the team, like the birthday ice bandit thing. Uh, he has been a uh, father figure to uh, um, Kudamane, which is great. Bing. And uh, he has, uh, yeah, he, he has uh, also contributed on the pitch as well, including the assist for the first goal of the season. No pain. No, I'm done. Oh, you never even got to the second part there. That is That's your good. time up. Four points. The klaxon is going off. And it's not stopping, apparently. So, Jay, can you beat four points? Who do you feel is the newcomer with the biggest impact on and off the field? I thought it was going to be contrarian by saying Pamoruka, but it, it is for me. And, and I, I'm surprised by 
saying that because I thought he was going to be terrible. But but <laughs> but that's the reason why he has been the biggest impact is because you knew that, that Diego Rodriguez, there was going to be some feeling out period, but then he got injured. And then we needed a player to step in. And Pamoroka has done exceptionally well to the point where you might even say that he may be the starter on the pitch in front of Diego Rodriguez. Now, we know that won't be the case long term, but it certainly is now. Pamoroka has put a few good records together. The Whitecaps are one of the... Is that my 30 seconds? Just finish over here. The Whitecaps are one of the, the, the best defensive teams in the league, and it's because of him. Five points for Jay there. Kind of giving him points based on the fact that Pamaduka wasn't as bad as we all thought he was going to be. I, I, I honestly thought both of, one of these guys would go for Octavio. I did not realize that. I know. I it says minus Octavio on the thing. Ex- example it's, Octavio. No, it says minus Octavio. Minus Octavio. Well, I might have sabotaged that for Zach, I guess. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, Zach. So for everyone listening, it was we were not allowed to talk about Octavio Rivera. <laughs> I made a mistake. Sorry about that. I knew what you meant. I, I caught it. Yeah, there you I, go. I knew what you meant. So, Jay, you're going to go first with a second question. Sure. Which newcomer or young player from last season, and by young I mean like under 24 or whatever. So most of the squad. Yeah. <laughs> has been quite disappointing for you this year and not really taking that next step up or just arrived and not done well. Well, for me, it's, it's got to be Kikuda Mane. And the, the reason that is is because he has such a high ceiling Bing. and he's shown at points that, that he could be a complete world beater. But, but his lack of consistency, especially when he's started games, has been, been really shocking. The first, the first game that he's had played well when he started was against LA. Bing. But before that, he's only been a super sub and they need him to become a consistent starter on this club. Bing. Jay finishes his, his thing there before the 30 seconds is up. Fantastic. Six points. That gives him 11 points at the moment. I mean, the thing about Manny is he is kind of... Like, he bookended a run where he wasn't doing that well, the two LA games, with two great performances. And again, it's like, is Kakuta Manny a, a big-time player? Yeah. And that's something for another day. Zach, same question to you. Newcomer, young player who has not been up to the level you were hoping for this year? I know that you appreciate them all. <laughs> I do appreciate them all. And I'm, uh, the person I'm going to go with on this one is uh, Christian Dean. Uh, I'm going to say Christian Dean because uh, of where he was drafted. Uh, I'm going to also say Christian Dean because he was drafted last year and didn't quite make the breakthrough. Hardly got any time last year. Bing. And this year w- was hoping maybe he could get more or even produce more maybe in WFCF2. WFC uh, and I think, again, he's one of the players that, as we've talked about other times, who benefits from a run in the team. Bing. And I think his morale was kind of crushed a little bit last year. Bing. And it hasn't been uh, brought back this year. Like, he hasn't been fully been rejuvenated uh, this year. And he's Bing. been struggling because of that. Seven points for Zach. So he's still a little behind. First time that Zach's ever been described as being a little behind. That's equal. It's 11-11. No, he was 5-4 up after the first one. Yeah. You said I got 7. Yeah. But he got 7 as well, season 2. No, he got 6. No, he got 7. We'll have go to back and listen to it. We'll go back afterwards. Yeah, we'll have to it's listen to it. It's the fixes in. What is he doing? Does he work for the FIFA? <laughs> I'm, I'm rehearsing here for my CONCACAF presidency bit. <laughs> the, uh, the manila envelope is in your backpack here. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Okay, so Zach, first question. The third question, back to you. Point behind. <laughs> Which home result 
has been disappointing. Doesn't have to be a loss. Just home result has been disappointing for you this year. It's it's hard to get beyond Seattle home losing two nothing to our Cascadian rivals, uh, losing top spot in the Cascadia Cup standing, uh, being scored on the fourth minute by Chad Barrett. That's another bing. Um, bing. Twice Chad Barrett scoring on us. Uh, Only one bing. I think uh, no. I think it was hugely disappointing. It was also disappointing how we could not rally. Uh, in the second half and, and, and turn the game around whether you want to blame it on tactics Bing. or whatever that we talked about before Bing. but that was heartbreaking for supporters Bing. and another 7 there for Zach so by my maths 11 plus 7 gives Zach a score of 15 <laughs> we, call, we call it Zach math on EFT <laughs> Jay so Jay if you get 7 or more you have won this Mars bar. Ooh. The first half. It's only the first half. So half of the Mars bar. Half of the Mars bar. Good, that's fair. Think of it as a fun-sized mini Mars bar. That's right. That's what my no. wife likes to think of it as. Not the Terry Dunfield size. No. Go. Home side. Home loss. As much as this, the supporters will probably think that the Seattle game um, was, I, I'm going to say the Toronto game. This, the Seattle game was, uh, we were playing probably the best team in the league. It's Bing. understandable to, to lose to a club like that. Bing. Toronto, it is not. It was the first game of their season. Bing. We were utterly dominating them and should have been up 4-0 at the half. Bing. And our lack of execution and then just completely giving up uh, so many chances and not being able to adapt tactically Bing. was super disappointing for a home opener. Bing. Oh, you actually want that. So, eight points there for Jay, which gives Jay a commanding two-point victory. Or one point if I listen to this again and I've got something wrong. Zach's adamant that it's only one, but so we'll see. So anyway, we're going to have the second part of this in the second part of our round So Zach podcast. has a chance to win in that second part. I, uh, I totally I totally blocked out that first kick match from this year. Yeah. How disappointing. My, my personal on that one, I, I, I think it was the Edmonton 1-1 draw at oh. home. Only because... You, you had the Seattle game coming up, you lost that obviously, but then you had to play your starters against Edmonton on the road and then go to Colorado where they were tired and then you were lost uh, that game. So I think that Edmonton 1-1 one, one draw when you had so many young players expecting them to do something and they didn't do it. I, I do agree with Jay. The Toronto thing was disappointing for me just because I like to see Toronto get beat. And you kind of wanted to make all their fans panic right away after all their big money signings. But the amount of chances that were created when you, when you don't bury that to me, that has to be the big, big you, disappointment. You missed, you missed the point of that when you could have said we hadn't lost the home opener in oh, yeah. 12 years. Or I'll, I'll give you a point for that. <laughs> you're thinking that. So anyway, that's a halftime score, and it is 26 to G, 15 to Zach. We'll have more of that in our next episode. That was 30 Seconds to Mars. I need a Mars So just before we wrap up this podcast, there's another big event football-wise that's taking place in Vancouver and all of Canada just now. It's the FIFA Women's World Cup. Everywhere but Toronto. Yes. It's everywhere that matters. Even Moncton's got in in the act. I didn't even know that was a place. (laughs) The Magnetic Hill. But 
just before we wrap up, just what, what's your thoughts? We've had all the, the first round of group games now. They wrapped up on today, Tuesday. There's been a couple of blowouts. Zach, your, your Germany team steamrollered. It was like Second World War. The panzer tanks were moving. They steamrollered over those poor Ivorian coast girls. Um, but there's been some really good games as well. BC Place hosted two on Monday. 6-0 win for Cameroon over Ecuador, which surprised me because yeah. I didn't know what to expect from either team. And then a really good game between Japan and Switzerland. Swiss really, really unlucky in that one. But just, just quickly before we go, what's been your overall thoughts on the tournament so far? And do you feel it's actually been promoted enough in Canada? Because to me, I don't think people in Vancouver even know it's on. Like I, your average pair. I personally think that other than TSN, nobody's promoting it because are they allowed to promote it? That's the big question. Uh, I've seen it on well, news broadcasts. The media guidelines are, and this is where it gets a bit tricky, the media guidelines, and this includes ourselves as a podcast, TV, radio, podcasts, if they're not rights holders, so basically Bell Media. Who's the official podcast radio? I guess the TSN podcast. <laughs> okay, this makes sense. Um, they're not allowed to show any video yeah. or play any audio from inside the training or official training sessions. Wait, this video from the Women's World Cup we're watching right now on the podcast, is it legal? It is because it's for your private consumption. <laughs> so it's difficult then for other stations to actually show anything and kind yeah. of help promote it, which, which does really make it difficult. I mean, what's your general feelings on, on the World Cup so far and just the buy-in from Canada and the promotion it's been getting? Yeah, it does feel a little underwhelming. Granted, I live way out in the Langley Massive, which for okay, you is another interior, country. Yeah. It's another country, Michael, I know. So... Uh, but when I you know, went into the city for the game, uh, the, the games here yesterday, like, this, there, there's some presence of it, you know, like, you know, on the Georgia Viaduct, you can see the stuff on the stadium and the Christine Sinclair and buy your tickets and whatever, yeah. like, so I think if you're in the city, it's maybe a little bit more evident, but it, yeah, I mean, if you don't watch TSN... Uh, you know, or you don't follow TSN on social media. Essentially, you won't hear anything yeah. about it. I, like I saw a big poster with Erin McLeod and something about Grand Butt, and I thought that was a bit unfair because she's quite a petite girl. Jay, uh, do you think that the, it's because Canada is spread out, and that's why maybe it's because it, if you look back at the Olympics 2010, it was in Vancouver, so that you it was and Whistler, don't Whistler, forget Whistler. Whistler. But maybe the World Cup is too spread out over a large country. And they, they wanted to promote the whole coast-to-coast -coast aspect yeah. of it. They said that at the opening press conference. So that's, they wanted to promote it's the first coast-to-coast -coast World Cup. Giant coast-to-coast. -coast. Yeah, you know, that, that very well could be a big part of it. Um, I also think that we have to kind of get our expectations in check. Um, it, it, it's not as big of an event as the Olympics or the, or the Men's World Cup. Um, it, it is. It is Pan Am Games. If you're from Toronto, well, I, all I'm saying is that I, I've seen. I, I've seen media. I've seen um, the um, see the rise stuff that was on. Uh, is that what it was called? The see the rise stuff on TSN. I've seen. I've seen some of the media stuff. I've so, but I'm the target audience as well. I, you know, I'm a consumer. I, I, but I, I don't know what people what. Uh, everybody else expects that buzz needs to come from the, the people the buzz needs to come from the cities and I, I'm, I'm sorry I, I'm just I'm if I'm not excited about going to see Cameroon and Ecuador I can't see why a complete neutral would be 
So I think that'll change as we get along, and and if Canada wins the group and ends up here for the round of 16, the the quarter quarterfinals, then I think we'll start to see a bit more of a buzz and some some chatter about it. I, I'm happy with what we've seen so far, both on the field and off the field. I know some people complain about the attendance. I thought it's been pretty good generally. And it's games that's kicking off midweek in yeah. an afternoon. It's like, what are you expecting? Exactly. Folk are not like, going to take time off like, work for these like early the white, games. The Whitecaps on a Wednesday get, if they're lucky, if they get like 15, 16. Well, and the World Cup sold 24,000 seats or something. There was a game in Moncton today yeah. at like 12.30. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that was for TV. Essentially, they're selling TV. But what are they? What well, are you supposed was, to expect? Then? It, yeah. it was for European TV because it was yeah. like France and England. But yeah. the other thing as well, when you looked at the crowd in there, and from reading on Twitter, apparently it was a whole organisational nightmare. Yeah. And folk had to park away from the stadium and bus in, and they only put on four buses for a crowd of thirteen thousand. So folk arrived late, pissing down the rain as well. I mean, obviously, folk would have known that was going to happen. An open air stadium. The thing in Vancouver as well is I think we haven't got the most glamorous group really when you no. look at it. I mean, Ecuador and Cameroon, Japan I don't expect would be the much. We have the holders. We have the we have the holders, man. Who you have holders if you follow but, women's soccer and yeah, you know who the holders they're, are. They're very underwhelming. They're, they're, they're the holders. Yeah, but, but how many people know that they are the holders? Well, they already played here once. People should know that. No, but they're very underwhelming. They're under the radar. Barely anybody even talks about Japan when coming into yeah. the tournament, which is weird because everybody would talk about that reigning champions, but nobody talks about it. Everybody talks about Germany. Uh, they talk about USA, obviously. People talking about Canada, in Canada. Uh, France, England gets more pop than them. So, no, no, not many people talk about Japan, so. Well, I mean, the press buying as well. So when you talk about one of the important things about football, and a tournament like this, is supporters. And so, yeah, when you lack supporters uh, in these cities, it's, it's, it's difficult. And obviously, this is a big international thing, so it's how many people do you have from that community in the city, how many people are actually going to travel, all that kind of stuff. There was a bunch of Ecuadorians out, there was a few Cameroonians out yesterday, there was more Swiss people than I've ever seen before in Vancouver, which I don't know if they were traveling or they're from here. Oh, they just the, give it outfits. Or they're, yeah. uh, and, but there was Japanese supporters there yesterday, and it doesn't help when you have a tournament like this, and then you, one, allow people into the stadium with things to support, and then during the game, come and take them away. So Japan had a flagpole taken away, and then they had their drum, which they got into the stadium, no problem, then taken away and they could not use their drum. So these kind of things, that, and these are FIFA regulations, it's not just BC Place or just the security or whatever. But these are cells are okay. Yeah, apparently there's one, well, there's actually there was a trumpet behind me from an Ecuadorian, which is awesome, but like those things don't help these kind of things, right, Michael? Because oh, I don't no, know if you- I, I agree with that. It was great. All of a sudden when Japan, their fans there, they have the they Japanese, a, the Japanese people the, great, of the blue, yeah. the blue bags they and stuff. They had some really great noise last they, some great, some, they had some great two stick. There was a couple people with two stick. It was awesome. And then, and then they, they snuck into uh, 252 to 254 where the south side usually is because um, the players came out that way. Yes, I saw them in there. And then they got kicked out because those weren't their seats. Uh, and they tried to squeeze in. They got, so they came up to the very top where there was no one, yes. where they could always be together. And they were kind of a driving force. And, and then all of a sudden the flag got taken away, the drum, they couldn't use the drum in the second half. They had a tambourine, but it wasn't the same. It was just really, those kinds of things are disappointing. And the thing about the Swiss supporters as well, there was a lot of them out, they were not as loud, but I mean, they were there in time, like clockwork almost. They were very neutral as well. Yeah. There's been some teams that I've been really impressed by, some games that I didn't think I was going to enjoy that I have enjoyed watching, so let's just hope it keeps up. Hopefully we get Canada here for the second round. I don't think we will. I think Holland's going to win that group. 
and I think we won't have Canada here playing at all, which is maybe going to take a bit of a hit on, on some of the attendances. But we'll be having more Women's World Cup stuff on AFTN, so watch out for that. But before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me online at jay underscore duke on Twitter and writing for AFTN. My name is Zachary Mazenham. You can find me on Twitter at, at ZacharyAM, and I'm a part of a movement called Curva Collective. And you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Um, you can also, uh, as, you, as we told this at the beginning, we've been recording this at Match Pub and Eatery. You can find them on Twitter at Match Pub New West. And I'm Michael McCall. You can read all my stuff online, AFTN, AFTN.ca. Also, the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. Find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. And that's about it. So, until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the caps. When you're listening in some far flung corner of the globe to the World Service of a Saturday afternoon, frankly, reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?